Hello, I'm Faisal Pervez, a South Asia analyst here at Stratfor, and this podcast is brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, our premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Individual, team, and enterprise memberships are available at worldview.stratfor.com slash subscribe. Hi, I'm Fred Burton, the Chief Security Officer at Stratfor. And I'm Scott Stewart, Stratfor's Vice President of Tactical Analysis. Scott, I know we've written a lot about uh, cyber criminals targeting supply chains. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the trends that we've been watching uh, for our threat lens clients has been uh, this increase in uh, really cyber actors trying to use the uh, software supply chain as a way to get uh, entry or to make uh, entree into their victims. And it really is a, a kind of uh, pernicious and uh, it, in some cases, it's been a very effective tactic uh, because it, it uses, uh, you know, these updates that come from companies in order to kind of push the malware out to their unsuspecting victims. And it's really brilliant when you think about it from a tactical perspective. Well, yeah, because, uh, you know, there again, it, it's not something that's coming in, you know, by some phishing uh, or, or other tactic. But it's coming through a channel that, that you believe to be uh, credible and that it's, a, you know, an update from one of your software providers. And, of course, that's also why it's such a danger to these software companies and, and hurts their credibility with their clients uh, because it reflects poorly on them when they get compromised and then their services are used to pass malware on to their clients. I think when you look at uh, this threat, Scott, as you and I have followed it for so many years and – we certainly know better than most the dangers that come from cyber attacks. Uh, when you start thinking about this from a trending perspective, don't we see more on the horizon? Oh, my. Uh, yeah, it, it, it really isn't. Uh, we don't see it slowing down at all. And, and in fact, we see many of uh, both the, the state actors and the non-state actors not only uh, you know increasing uh, their activity, but really increasing their effectiveness and their their capabilities. Uh, you know, one of those examples uh, is the Iranians, and we've really seen them upping their game. You know, maybe a couple of years ago we were thinking about them in terms of you know a second tier threat, but really with the tools that they've been developing, with some of the approaches that they've been using, they're showing that they're up there with really the best of the best. And when you look at this from a nation state perspective. When you start thinking about the dangers that uh, multinational corporations face, so what can they do about a nation-state attack? Well, obviously, it's it's in uh, you know in in the cyber realm there, it, it's going to manifest similarly to what we're seeing the the, uh, the criminal attacks, you know, the non-state nation-state attacks. Um, the the problem is, though, quite frankly, that the sophistication, depending on the actor, can be you know much greater. So, you know, if you are a company that's, that's being targeted by one of the, you know, very uh, top shelf, you know, Chinese or, or Russian actors, it's just more difficult to kind of protect against them because they're going to use an array of tools, perhaps even some zero days, and they're going to just use, you know, sophisticated methods that, that you're really not ready for and, and tools you're not ready for. But also kind of in addition to that, one of the things that we're concerned about is having or, or seeing some of these tools provided by the state sponsors down to their proxies. And actually, just over the last weekend, 
uh, we saw the Israelis conduct uh, an airstrike, actually, on a Palestinian Hamas, uh, you know, basically cyber warfare center uh, that had been conducting some cyber attacks uh, against Israel. So we're kind of seeing uh, kind of a confluence there of the physical war with the cyber war on the battlefield in Gaza. And, uh, you know, a lot of those capabilities are due to uh, actors like the Iranians who are arming uh, their proxies, such as Hamas and Hezbollah and, and others, uh, you know, with those capabilities. I know you and I were tweeting about this, talking about uh, the IDF hit of the Hamas facility that was uh, reportedly associated with cyber and I think that that is one of the impacts of such behavior. I mean, uh, off the top of my head, uh, I can't think of another kinetic response that by any other nation on a location as a result of cyber. Can you? I mean, I think that we've definitely seen uh, the coalition attack some of the non-state, other non-state actors like the Islamic State um, and, and some of their kind of propaganda and, and cyber nodes. Uh, but but other from, you know, then those kind of uh, – you know, those war zone type activities, uh, this really is kind of an, you know, an anomalous attack. And it's probably the first of many we're going to see. Yeah. And to your point, when you start looking at this from a nation state perspective, when you think about what the Iranians could do if they wanted to uh, unleash uh, an actor such as Hezbollah that certainly has a cyber capability themselves. You know, quite frankly, we've seen, uh, you know, Hezbollah very active. We've seen Hamas very active in, in their activities. Uh, you know, not only against the Israelis, but, uh, you know, other opponents uh, in the region. So, it, you know, this this idea that we don't just have to worry about the state actors, but these, you know, kind of non-state proxies is, is also concerning. I guess part of it, too, is that, you know, like terrorism, if we think about how the, the state actors were able to, you know, use these terrorist proxies to conduct attacks with, you know, a little bit of plausible deniability, uh, the same thing can be uh, said in, in the cyber realm in, in that, you know, using a proxy as a cutout, uh, you know, does give you some plausible deniability and, uh, you know, it gives you a little bit more uh, ability to act uh, than if you would do it directly. And it's very, very difficult. It can be very dark in trying to identify where some of these actors are playing and in the space they're operating in and so forth. But uh, I know that there's not a day that goes by here from discussions with our clients, the, the insider threat is something that uh, I know you have written a lot about uh, as it pertains to that for ThreatLens. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you know, especially the sophisticated actors, again, uh, you know, they see cyber as just one tool in the espionage toolbox. And they're going to use uh, whatever tools they need to get the information or to, to create the impact uh, that they want with their cyber operations. You know, if they can do that remotely uh, from across national borders, that's great. Uh, but if they can't, I mean, we've seen them uh, on, on you know, repeated uh, times using other means to get what they you know, couldn't get uh, through, through cyber means. And whether that means trying to recruit a human source inside a company, whether that means uh, actually conducting a black bag job on, on a corporate office or breaking into an executive's home or a hotel room uh, in order to uh, either bug it or to uh, you know, try to access or even clone their hard drives. Uh, these are all the, the activities that, you know, these these sophisticated actors will conduct. And, and really, it, it goes hand in glove 
with their cyber activities. Scott, it's just uh, not uh, nation-state targeting of, for example, multinational corporations, but uh, we do have uh, third-party vendors hosting sites that are being hacked uh, and then uh, threats of extortion or threats of having that data set distributed onto the Internet. Uh, so, for example, what do companies do about that if they think that they've contracted with a provider to host their data and that gets hacked? Yeah, that's that's really frustrating, uh, you know, for these companies. And, you know, there, there really are an array of, of criminal actors that are involved in not only kind of ransomware type attacks, uh, but also where they'll go in, and we, we saw that example in, in Germany recently, where they hacked into a web hosting company, uh, downloaded you know all kinds of data, and then basically uh, tried to blackmail the company and said, listen, if you guys uh, don't pay us, uh, and it was actually a, a pretty small amount of money. It was kind of kind of suspicious there. But they said, if you don't pay us five thousand uh, dollars, we're going to start releasing this data to embarrass you. It was extortion, not really traditional ransomware, but it really does kind of highlight not only the uh, vulnerability of, of hosting companies to attacks, but also those those third companies that that are trusting hosting companies, you know, with their with their data. Um, you know, some people tend to think that the cloud is this mythical place where once your data is up there, nothing can happen to it. But I think it's important to always remember that what the cloud really is is somebody else's computer. Those computers are also susceptible to being uh, hacked and attacked, and your data, if it resides on somebody else's computer, can also be compromised. So, you know, hopefully, uh, if you're a company, you've done good due diligence, and you've determined that the uh, safeguards and the security of the hosting provider are, you know, industry standard and sufficient. Um, But unfortunately, if they're not, uh, like in this German case, uh, you know, a great deal of your information can be leaked then uh, when, when that company gets hacked. Well, I also know that something else companies could do would be uh, certainly check references, meaning that uh, ask for referrals, ask for uh, some good recommendations and, and talk to other people. I just know on a practical level, I would question whether or not that is actually being done. And well, that's part of the due diligence. I mean, that's part, that should be part of your due diligence process. It's part of your is procurement process, with references. Really. Yes. Another thing that you can do is really be careful of your data and, and what data you are sending up. Um, you know, either onto an internal intranet or to a hosting site, and uh, you know, making sure that you're are really carefully protecting what your your most sensitive company data is. You know, I believe one of the real secrets of of cybersecurity is identifying what's really important and then protecting that carefully and more carefully than everything else. And so if you take those additional steps to, you know, identify and then segregate and limit uh, access to the really sensitive data, uh, that can really help you protect uh, your company against the real fallout of these kind of hacks. You know, as, as we know, Fred, there's only two kinds of companies and, and those that have been hacked and it's known about and those that have been hacked and they're not admitting it. Um, but a, a hack doesn't have to be devastating if you have the proper measures in place to really protect your most sensitive data. Without a doubt. Okay, Scott, that was very interesting. Uh, hopefully we'll t- be talking about this uh, soon in the future. Thank you. This is Fred Burton from Stratfor. And this is Scott Stewart from Stratfor. Have a great day. 
If you're interested in learning about how Stratfor can help you with analytic tools to visualize and anticipate those areas in the world where your interests and operations are at greatest risk, be sure to visit stratfor.com to learn more about individual, team, and enterprise access at worldview.stratfor.com slash subscribe. And if you have a question about this podcast or even an idea for the next one, please drop us an email at podcast at stratfor.com. And as always, if you have a moment, please leave a review on the podcast page on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen. We really appreciate your feedback. For more geopolitical intelligence, links, and fun facts about what goes into forecasting world events, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Stratfor. Thanks for listening.